player profiler faithful it's been a key womb welcome to another episode of the game plan please everybody just take a quick minute to like this video and subscribe to the player profiler youtube channel Ooh, today's show is going to be awesome because i am joined by not one master but two masters of fantasy football and we're going to be talking best ball ladies and gents so gang get out your pens and your pads and let's start game planning to cash in on some of those underdog best ball contests planners today i am joined by two amazing analysts you can find them both right here on the player profiler network of shows they are the co-hosts of the hit new show stat masters gang give it up for the masters of stats aaron and chris what's up my friends Oh, man, what an intro. Honestly, I should just sign off now because nothing's going to follow up how high quality that was. It's all downhill. It's going to wrap here. up today's uh, uh, yeah. episode of the game plan of doing intros, apparently. <laughs> just yeah, the shortest game plan that. episode ever, but great to be back <laughs> on the game plan. Uh, I know. This is your second appearance, Chris. This is your first. Very, very excited to have you. I mean, the Statmaster show, super creative. I love watching it, hearing you guys break down best ball. And that's not the only... You know, that's the content that the people get on YouTube. But if they go to a certain place on a certain night, they can get a lot more stat matches. Am I correct? Indeed. Indeed. We we do the show live on Discord and we even do bonus content, too, because we get an audience. If they have questions about anything, we answer that. If you're not already to join the Discord server, just go to playerprofiler.com slash chat and you'll you'll get in. It's a free public Discord server. Got some sharp minds there. We do our show live at 8 p.m. Eastern. So, you know, come in. We do probably hour and a half in total there, and we have a good time. It's a great time. Uh, so I usually like to surprise the guests with a couple questions before we dive into today's topic. Aaron, you've been on the show, so I'm going to start with Chris. Chris, how long have you been playing fantasy football? And quickly just describe kind of a, a short summarization of your fantasy management style. Yeah, I mean, it's probably been like nine years. I would say the last six years of dedicating all of my free time to it as a yeah. hobby job. Um, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm I'm kind of a combination of going with what I feel is correct and what my heart tells me is good and blending in the consensus. You know, there's a lot of flaws with consensus ADP and such, mm -hmm. but it does exist for a reason. So my style, I look much more so at the social psychology. I don't look at it as, is this player a hit or miss? It's, hey, how is everyone else drafting? And how can I gain an edge on those flaws? Not necessarily a player's flaws. Chris, coming out the heaters, you just awarded yourself another episode on the game plan because we want. I want to dive into a little of that with you two. So <laughs> wait, to, wait, to, wait to dig right in, boys, and, and make sure that you're going to be on real soon because I'd love to talk about that. Aaron. I do have a guess. I do have a surprise question for you, and it's actually one that's being asked in the chat by our guy Bradley over at Best Bell Fantasy Football. Where the hell did the beard go? It fell off. It fell off. Now it was. Uh, it's time to grow another epic beard. So you got to start over, right? It's like a new season, right? As uh, as the beard <laughs> continues to grow, that means I got to be doing better at fantasy football. Okay. Very okay. That's a good enough answer. <laughs> I thought I was gonna have a couple of follow-ups. Maybe try to, cause you know I, I'm a beard guy myself. I do like the beard, but it still looks good. It's short, but it's still there. You didn't go baby face like Chris. Chris got that nice little clean shave look. You did keep the beard, so I got to You know, you're still on hashtag Team Beard. So that that's exactly what I need to hear. 
We're going to get into a couple questions here, but before we do, something just hit the market. Well, not even the market, the free market, or, or should I say the fantasy market is what I should say. It is the world-famous draft kit over here at Player Profiler. So stick around, stick around and hear about the Podfiler. Break it down. Hey, it's the Podfather of great news. The 2023 draft kit is live. It is world famous. Why? Because it is the best resource for winning fantasy football championships that exists. There are rankings and cheat sheets for every format you can imagine. We have projections both at the team level and the player level. And wherever you are, you can click on a player, open them up, and see in-depth written analysis about what to expect in fantasy football from that player this year. And then you can click on the team and you can get even more in-depth analysis, all the drivers of fantasy production, both in a positive and negative direction for that team, including a signature trend. And the graphics are incredible. So these team insights, they give you the team level projections, the vacated targets, the vacated areas, and that one dynamic for each team that you need to know when making decisions on draft day. And we added a bunch of features. I mean, Individual cheat sheets for Theo and Billy and Dario. So you could take your favorite analyst and download their personal draft cheat sheet. And then in the commissioner's section, also brand new this year, Memphis Young lays out everything you need to know to manage a league. Do's, don'ts, tips, and what the more innovative fantasy commissioners are doing this year. That's presented by Trophy Smack. The whole package is presented by the Fantasy Football Players Championship, the FFPC, Ray Garvin, Derek Brown, the best minds in the industry contributing analysis. It's certainly not the most inexpensive draft kit on the market, but uh, it is the best. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Playerprofiler.com slash draft kit. Go get it. Get that world famous draft kit. Or simply, you're just not maximizing your fantasy football brain so guys let's dive into today's show you're a couple of the best in the space when it comes to basketball and statistics so what i did as i sp- i broke up the, the show into basically two different segments some really in-depth questions that i just needed answered for my own reasoning and for our listeners reasonings but i also want to talk about a little bit of big picture best ball talk so let's go into that here and i want to talk to you guys you've been working on this so uh, yeah, i know it's fresh in your minds how important are exposure rates in best ball f- for tournaments so aaron let's start with you exposure rates are everything in best ball Think of it like DFS, right? You don't build, if you're doing these tournaments in DFS where you're doing multiple entries, you don't want high exposure to one player. All mm-hmm. it takes is one injury, boom, you've lost all your money. Best ball is kind of the same way. Like I, nothing irritates me more than going on Twitter and seeing someone go brag about having three, four players at 40, 45, 50% exposure. It's like, nah. You're doing this wrong. Thanks for donating your money. More often than not, worst case scenario is going to happen, right? Like, honestly, and it's it's tough. You should keep your exposure rates. Me personally, in that 20 to like 25%, 25% pushing it, right? Honestly, keeping it close to like 20%. Now, the rule that I'll make exceptions for is like, as you get later into drafts, okay, that's fine to be a little more overexposed because the pickings are a lot slimmer there. But mainly what I do with exposure rates, I also track my teams too, because Mm -hmm. I mean, we're all biased. We've got our favorite guys. You got to make sure that you're not drafting duplicate teams. If you draft the same like three, four combination players, and you've done that for three or four teams and just duplicated your entry, I don't see there being much, uh, much of an advantage there. Low upside. You've got to just kind of play the field. There's even some guys I might not necessarily like, but I'll go, "Hmm, I don't have much exposure. Let's add them to this team. 
you know, when, and this is for, if you're doing the tournaments that, I mean, best ball mania, you get like 150 entries. Mm -hmm. You've got to have as many, you have to diversify those lineups as much as possible. So 20% what you should shoot for when you're looking at that nice exposure rate on your teams. The sweet spot, 20%. So Aaron, who is your most exposed player? I can't say that. I can't say most exposed player. How do you say that? What is the player that you have the most exposure to in best ball tournaments? So (laughs) this is ironic because of the situation from the last couple of seasons, but it's (laughs) Sean Watson because he falls. He falls. Like I've tried to stop drafting him, but I'm getting him like two rounds below ADP. So with Watson too, he's going to be fine, right? Like last season, mm-hmm. people got hurt big time by him. But Deshaun Watson goes in that sweet spot too of like eighth to now 10th round. I've given him like 10th round. And that what that allows you to do is you use those first seven rounds. You build a nice core of running backs, receivers. Then you get the quarterback that still has top five upside. So Watson, I'm way overexposed on and I'm trying to stop, but people keep letting him fall way too far. You are the not the only one that is overexposed when it comes to Deshaun Watson. Now let's go over to Chris. Chris. So, I mean, exposure is literally the name of the game. It's what best ball is. It's what best ball was made for. So it's going to really be like in a specific situation. So I chase best ball tournaments, right? So not a single best ball league or a like on drafters, they have a tournament where it's just total points at the end of the year. It doesn't have the DFS rounds in the last three weeks. But if you're playing best ball mania four first off you you have to max out a tournament if you even want to be come competitive realistically you know a best ball tournament it's a combination of powerball and and texas hold'em so you take the best poker player right and you tell them they can predict their next they can pick their next hundred hands pre-flop but they don't know what the flop or the river or turn is they're not just going to pick pocket aces for all hundred right they're going to have a range. They're going to pick all the hands at the top end of their range, you know, ace king suited, so on and so forth, but not just the same hand. Cause even they understand that your pocket aces can lose to six, eight off the flop. If the flops eight, eight, six, it's, it's you're you're playing a range of outcome and you have to spread it. Now, if you draft 150 times, assuming you drafted every single, like equally at each of the 12 draft slots and ADP never moved and everything was auto drafted, then essentially you would get every player at about 8.6%. So I use that as my baseline. Like 8% is average exposure to a player. So everything then goes from there. If I'm bullish on the player, maybe I draft him at 4 or 5%. If I'm very bearish on a player, he'll hit 15 16%. And you want to have as few players over 20% as possible. It's going to happen, but you want to be exposed. Like, And Aaron said it, when you get to very late rounds, you can be much more flexible with exposure because your 14th plus round picks, they can be a bust and you still win. But the first like three rounds, you essentially should have everyone at like 8% or close to it. Now you can like, like ebb and flow, have some at 12, some at six, but it's hard to entirely take a guy in the first two rounds off the board because they're there for a reason and they generally only bust because of injury. You can't really predict why or how players in the top five move around year to year. It's just statistical variance last year it was justin jefferson this year it could be jamar chase just take them both so my entire my entire best ball career is managing exposure making sure i'm peppering in good players and being very seldom when i'm going to go all in or all out on a player like i have drafted michael thomas zero times one of few players that i just will not draft that cost he needs to be Mm -hmm. four rounds cheaper but he's not but it's it's 
like I'm not doing that with a, with a bunch of players. There's players I absolutely do not like. I do not like taking Cam Akers in the seventh round, but I've done it two or three times. You have to. So the whole thing is I could I could write a 20, you know, a 2000 page novel on why you need to balance exposure. I could talk all day, so I'll cut it there. <laughs> well, uh, no, there. Uh, this is why, honestly, I have one of the best jobs in the planet Earth. I get to talk to fantasy ma- gamers, not only about just philosophies and stuff, but everything under the sun. You know, having guys on, and then having you guys on every so often, right? I'm taking back by some. Something that, like is going to stick with me. When you talked about the mixture of Powerball and poker for best ball, I was, and then hearing the explanation, I was like. Okay, this is next level thinking. This is thinking that you get over at Statmasters. Again, check it over out at the Player Profiler uh, YouTube channel. But yeah, that's something. Oh, wow. I never thought of it that way. That's very, very uh, interesting. So, Chris, who are you the most exposed to? And hopefully you are not exposed to Deshaun Watson like many people have been. I'm uh, uh, no, no, I haven't suffered Deshaun Watson trauma personally um but i am suffering leonard fournette addiction because i can't stop man i i leonard fournette is just the most obvious pick ever Lenny. about 40 entries ago i was at like 46 percent fournette it was really bad and i'm looking at mm-hmm. this and i'm like chris you gotta stop and i had the willpower and i've gotten him down to like 26 percent. i just haven't touched him you know I, I've, I've been off the stuff i'm clean but <laughs> You know, every Friday night at 1 a.m. after I've had a few drinks, those four net thoughts, they creep into the head. And I remember, oh, man, he was a top 30 running back last year. And we only dumped him out of our rankings because we overdrafted him. Oh, my God. Oh, he was still he he had 90 targets last year. Oh, my God. My my heart. <laughs> I can't I can I can only imagine just me and Ann were at the bar, we're hanging out. We look over at you, Chris, and you're about to pick a sip of beer. We're like, no, don't do it. You know where this leads. He's just in the bathroom, Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette, Leonard Fournette. We're like, get out, Chris. You don't have to do this. But I'm glad you got him down 26%. I, I do want to ask you guys one question. You guys are clearly pros. I mean, maximizing your tournaments, maxing out entries, all that stuff, truly being able to, to break down all your exposures. Do you have any advice for the more casual best ballers? Uh, you know, is there kind of, let's say they don't max out, but they do multiple entries for these tournaments, but they're not truly diving into the weeds like the two of you. Is it a rule of thumb where they should still stick around the 20%? Should that, is there a little bit more standard deviation in terms of that, 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 that tolerance there? Is there a little bit of differential when you're not maximizing every tournament? Yeah, I mean, everything's going to come down to quantity of drafting. For a newer player, I would say manage a bankroll. Um, you know, I've been doing it for years. This is my first year actually trying to fully max out a, a best mm-hmm. ball mania tournament. It's, it's a lot of money. It's not cheap. So right. they do put out smaller tournaments. They just put out a Pomeranian today. It's $3 entry, 50 entries max. That's 150 bucks. You can max out a tournament, be competitive. Now it's a smaller prize, but if you win, there's your bankroll next year for all the best ball mania tournaments. If you win 30K playing a Pomeranian, you're in it, man. Welcome to the club, you know, or use that mm-hmm. money for something normal and respectable in life or gamble it. I don't care. But yeah, if you're on a <laughs> smaller, if you're only going to do like 10 drafts, then yeah, just take your guys, right? As you mm-hmm. get more and more spread, you want to take more and more different shots, you know, and, and then when you move away from best ball, like any other format of fantasy football where I'm like setting a lineup, I'm definitely just taking my guys, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But for best ball, that's the beauty of best ball. It genuinely lets you play range of outcomes because being good at fantasy football is not knowing who's going to break out. It's knowing who can break out and taking right. okay. bets on them. Right. Last question I have for you, Aaron. <clears throat> 
what 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 are some of the things you what's the let's call it your golden rule that you've learned about exposure rates in terms of your progression of going towards max entry lineups? I mean, you're probably getting to that same level of Chris where you guys are just going bananas putting in entries. So over the years, as that's gradually gone up, what's that one thing you've taken away from exposure rates? It's to humble myself, right? You know, we we all have like predictions on teams, but you oh, have to you have to uh, play the other side of it. You have to go. What if I'm wrong? Right. Like there are some players that, you know, you will have your analysis. I'm sure we'll get into those questions a little later in the show where you just go, look, never. Uh, Chris mentioned Michael Thomas earlier. Mm -hmm. But besides that, it's just going, you know, I I think for me this year, Jameer Gibbs was a guy that I have been more open to as Mm -hmm. these tournaments have gone along because his ADP is starting to fall. And I'm like, you know, I feel like the hype was too much, but now it's at a price where, Maybe I should take some stabs on this player. It's just going, maybe I'm wrong. It's the most humbling thing, but it's the thing that will make you better at just overall analysis, and especially in best ball. Such a good point. And it doesn't matter whether you're a best ball junkie in the bathroom after a couple of beers drafting Leonard Fournette where you can't stop, or your dynasty redraft, whatever your thing is. Aaron's right. You got to remain humble because sometimes you're not always right. Think about what the other side of the coin because it can land heads when you're just so so sure it would have been tails now's the point of the show where i do want to ask you some pressing questions i want to dive into the weeds with some of the stat masters because i got to get your opinions on a few things so let's start here at the top with the first question that is a we're going to break the fourth wall here people we came up with the question about two hours ago so this is off the dome we're very excited to change it up this is the flexibility that we provide here at the game plan because it's all about these guests talking about you know their what they believe their philosophies and the breaking down these situations so you can win in fantasy so chris how will the tampa bay buccaneers passing attack shake out let's start with the quarterback situation yeah i mean it's it's baker mayfield the the hatred for him always goes too far he's not a great quarterback but he's not unusable i consider him in the premier backup tier like you can at least get what like case keenum gave you that one year in minnesota or like teddy bridgewater and jacoby Brissett. you know guys like ryan fitzpatrick and it's not beautiful but mm-hmm. your elite players can still put up fantasy points. You know, it's it's not it's not like untouchable and people are freaking out. They're having meltdowns over it. It's he's not the wicked witch of the West. A little bit of water, <laughs> you'll be okay. He was a lot of fun back in the day. Are, are you putting any uh, support? Are you putting any credence into these reports that they're gonna turn Trask at some point? It's it, it honestly, when evaluating, there's only three relevant players for fantasy on this team anyway, maybe four, if you're like me and you're a sicko for Chase Edmonds in the last round. The quarterback play at this point oh. is not really going to affect it. We're talking about Chris Godwin and Mike Evans, two of the best wide receivers historically in the NFL. I'm not worried. Switch to Kyle Trask, play Baker, you know, sign a trade for someone. I don't care. Get Fitzpatrick out of the booth and back on the field. Whatever they do. <laughs> These guys are going to still run the best routes and find the end zone. It doesn't matter. Oh, I, you, all right. I'm going to take a quick second here. I know we're, we're making sure that we don't go off too many side rails, but I have to because I have to admit something. I, I you know, I made a joke earlier, Chris, about you going in the bathroom and, and, and using and drafting too much Leonard Fournette. Well, last year for me, it was Chase Edmonds, and I had to kick the habit. And then I had uh, a Trey Gods episode with Chase Vernon. Who, who shed some light on Chase Edmonds. And now you're here as a stat master telling me I should be opening my eyes again to Chase Edmonds. I'm a beer away from being in the bathroom drafting too much Chase Edmonds. So just so you know, 
that's my issue there. Okay. It's, it's well, no, I mean, real quick, chest. the elevator pitch, you know, the, the ADP last oh, year was obviously fraudulent, right? No, no, no. Put him in the sixth round on Miami. Awful. The dude has always oh. been a satellite back with a change of pace role. That's what he's always been. We put him as an alpha. That was dumb. But he he was injured last year. He's still a good player. But now we want nothing to do with him because he failed us. Chase Edmonds went to a team that threw the ball 130 times to its running backs last year. Rashad White's skill is still in question. There's no one else relevant in that backfield. And he could at least get 120 fantasy points, and he's in the last round. What are we doing here? It's, it's a perfect satellite back pick. Oh. I'm back on the I'm gonna be, He I'm, goes undrafted. I'm going to be off the wagon. Most people, he also gives you variance in, in a best ball tournament because he goes undrafted. And in week 17, they play the New Orleans Saints in nice Tampa Bay weather. And that's going to be, uh, one, you know, one of those teams is playing for a playoff spot. So dump offs, dump offs, dump offs. Boys, if you at any point during the show realize that I'm not listening is because I am on the app trying to draft me some Chase Edmonds. Thank <laughs> you, Chris. Aaron, what do you see these? How do you see the wide receivers shaking out? Do you want Evans at cost, or do you want Godwin at cost? Can I say both? Yeah, can I you say, can say both you because want. you're a master. Because honestly, I'm looking at my exposure rates right now, and in this current tournament, I'm doing the slow puppy. I got like six entry, sixty entries in, and my two most exposed receivers. It's Mike Evans and it's Chris Godwin. Obviously, don't put them on the same team. You, just, you, you can't, right? With the Tampa Bay offense, it's you're, you're going to want both guys. Chris Godwin falls six to eight picks. Mike Evans falls because everyone got extremely hurt by him last year. Even in his great game at the end of the season, everyone yeah, had season him like on their bench. Him, yeah. yeah, but like Evans and Godwin are both good. You know, you start with Godwin and you can go, look, Godwin, I know it's PPR points. It's what we got to work with, with uh, player profiler, but four straight top 15 finishes in points per game. And honestly, with Godwin, I was off of him last year because I tried to be too smart and go, the dude had the late season ACL injury. Oh, he also tore his MCL, which is, that's Javante Williams injury this year. I don't want him this year. He's not going to do anything. And he proceeds to get over 100 receptions, over 1,000 yards. He only scored three touchdowns, but his, he shouldn't have been able to do that. But he's that good. Mike yeah. Evans, on the other hand, like he's best ball is made for Mike Evans. You hate him in redraft because you know, like for years we get those games where you get single digit points and then you're like, I'm pissed, going to bench him. And the next week he has the 200 yard three touchdown game. Best ball is made for Mike Evans, five straight seasons being top 20 in best ball points added. You know, And here was the other stat too with like Mike Evans is since player profiler started tracking deep ball targets, and, and that's been the past four seasons. There's been 16 receivers with 30 plus deep targets. Mike Evans has two of those seasons. And like in part with that is Baker Mayfield, everyone groans and goes, oh, I don't want Baker. But Baker Mayfield has been sneaky, accurate with deep balls. Like five seasons, he's been top 10 in three of those seasons in deep ball completion percentage. The other two seasons, he finished like 13th. And then his worst season, where he finished 18th, was 2021. And, oh, yeah, he separated his shoulder. Mm -hmm. Probably going to have some problems throwing deep. So Baker Mayfield, he doesn't throw a lot of deep balls. But when he does, he's accurate. And you now have, like, the guy for deep ball targets. Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield, going to be fine. Chris Godwin and Baker Mayfield, going to be fine. They were productive before Tom Brady with Jameis Winston. They'll be pro they were productive with Tom Brady, of course. 
and they'll continue to be productive without Tom Brady. Not concerned about Godwin or Evans, but really with the receiving options, those are the only two guys I'm interested in. And I know the rest of the guys are free. I don't know if you want me to talk about Russell Gage or Kate Otten, but no, we don't there's not much to say are, about them. No. I will no, we I want add, though, if you don't mind. I want to add. And all, all due respect to Jameis Winston, but these receivers are so good that they turned a blind man into a top 10 quarterback in Dynasty. Okay, for a <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's how good they are. Dude couldn't even yeah. see eight yards yeah. down the field and threw for 30 tuds. So <laughs> the best receivers in the NFL, what are we talking about? <laughs> And if any of our dynasty gamers have been nervous about Chris Godwin, two things I, oh, I will talk about is his his ability to win uh, win routes. He gets open. Uh, he had a top fifteen win rate versus man coverage last year. That's the exact type of thing that'll get Baker Mayfield, uh, you know, in rhythm, getting not a, not necessarily having to anticipate too many throws, but throwing to some open windows. And Chris Godwin could definitely be that guy. The next situation I want to talk about, I'm going to ask it a little differently than I had put it in the show notes. So I'm going to put you guys on your heels here. But Aaron, give me your favorite. Philadelphia running back at cost and your least favorite Philadelphia running back at cost. And Chris, you, you got a little advantage of your time to think about because I'm coming to you next, buddy. So my favorite at cost is Rashad Penny, but it's also because he slides. People go, oh man, like he's going to miss time. He's going to miss time. It's just certainty that they know that he's going to miss time. And we know this, that yeah, we've got the injury finder with player profiler and we can get the probabilities but every time you think a player is going to miss time, they surprise you. Sometimes I get Rashad Penny, a full round below ADP. And Penny has exactly what you're looking for at best ball of that incredible upside. Like these past two seasons, I know they haven't been full seasons. He's averaged over six yards per carry. He has big play potential. He has legit top five running back ceilings each week that he plays. And last year in Seattle, he really didn't have a good offensive line. But now he comes to he comes to the Philadelphia Eagles, where Miles Sanders had the number seven run block rating. So mm-hmm. I'm excited about Penny, who is one of the best just pure runners in the NFL. And who am I fading? I, the cop-out answer, of course, is Kenneth Gainwell. He's just not good for fantasy football. He's just not. He looks good in the efficiency metrics, but mm-hmm. he never does anything. Uh, it's he has his role 25 to 30 percent opportunity he's going to catch some passes but I will say I'm not really in on Swift either I'm not like Swift we love him in the fantasy football community I have I don't think the NFL likes DeAndre Swift as much as we do in fantasy and yes Swift has great pass catching ability but Jalen Hurts doesn't really throw to his backfield at all last season His target rate for running backs was 11%. That was from PFF. Incredibly low, right? Like Jared Goff in the Lions offense last year had 18%. So people that just want to put like Swift's pass catching numbers on the Eagles, he's not going to get the, what was it? It was 70 like receptions or something like that. I don't think he's going to get that. I don't think he's going to get anywhere close. And if Swift's not catching passes, he's okay on the ground, but I don't know. I do still draft some Swift, but it's my rule is always he has got to fall a few picks. I hate drafting him right inside the top 80. Yeah, Swift has about 110 catches over the last two years. He had 42 last year and 60 or 62 and 48 over uh, the last two years. So, Chris, the question shall be presented to you as well. Who's your favorite Philly running back at cost and who is your least favorite? So it's it's all the same as Aaron, and I'm not going to repeat what he said, but I will add that 
the analysis is great, but there's also just a much simpler way to look at it. And it's a conversation of value over replacement and best ball points. Ed. At the end of the day, we all know DeAndre Swift is a talented player. And we all know Rashad Penny is, is a very talented player and probably the better runner. Both are glass cannons, right? So they're perfect best ball picks. But typically, and we've seen this now for a long time, we seem to have forgotten the old adage that in these messy backfields, typically the cheaper one is the better option in your fantasy draft because they typically end up with similar scoring. DeAndre Swift is not cheap. He's like a seventh round pick. And we saw the ceiling that a running back in this offense can provide you last year. It's about 211 fantasy points. That's what Miles Sanders scored. Miles Sanders didn't have a Rashad Penny. He had a Boston Scott. So let's say Swift does get the 211 fantasy points in the seventh round. That's good, but that's not great. That's replaceable when Brian Robinson also scores 200 fantasy points in the 10th round. Or, you know, Khalil Herbert or A.J. Dillon or insert one of these great 10th round pick running backs next. And it doesn't get close enough to Saquon Barkley's 300 fantasy points, to Christian McCaffrey's 300 fantasy points. It It is what has always been the problem with dead zone backs. Now it is cheaper. In the past, a guy like this would have been a fourth round pick, but it still doesn't necessarily solve the puzzle. If Rashad Penny gets you not even 200, 160 fantasy points in the 11th round, way better. And it's a great offense. You want pieces of it. You want touchdown equity. So whatever you think the analysis is of their individual skill, the game theory solves the question for you. And that's it's you don't even need to look any further than that in in my thoughts. Okay, that's a good breakdown of it. And now let me ask you, you talked about how Gaino's not all that good. Do you put any type of support behind his usage in the playoffs for the Eagles and that carrying it over to 2023, Aaron? No, I mean, I, I just I don't care about Kenneth Gainwell. There is nothing good I have to say. He is a traditional Duke Johnson, small sample. You know, like he's nice. He looks good on metrics. He's not going to help you win in fantasy football. He's not going to get a full time role. All their running backs were banged up, you know, and teams do weird things in the playoffs. They also try to preserve their guys and their mm-hmm. guys are tired, man. Like you're 20 weeks into the season and you've had a, a 300 carries as Miles Sanders, man. Like his legs are dying, you know, every week. So I don't take too much credence into spike use in the playoffs. When has that ever helped us be better at fantasy football? Literally never. Aaron, you feel the same way? Same, because with Gainwell, like he's a great receiver in the backfield. There's no question about that. The, the uh, metrics on player profile say that. All the efficiency metrics. But the problem is the only way for Gainwell to ever do more in fantasy football is to earn more of the, the running game work and just look at the NFL moves. They, the Eagles had a chance. They had a chance this offseason to go with Gainwell as a primary guy. They signed Rashad Penny. I know it's a cheap contract. But then they double down and they trade for DeAndre Swift. Like the Eagles are telling us they like Gainwell in his role and probably nothing more. I don't really see his role changing much. That 30% opportunity share is about it. And then Jalen Hurts, right? Does not target the backfield that much. And Swift as well can catch passes. If anything, I'm more concerned for Gainwell than ever. Because if Swift eats into that third down role or pass catching role for Gainwell, then yeah, he's. He, I don't even think you can draft him in best ball at that point. I've got it. Okay, so let's watch. I'm not even going to get into Boston Scott. I'm not going to waste the Masters time with Boston Scott talk. But this next question on the show sheet was my favorite because I don't know if it's just me in my senses when I when you know I put my ear to the ground of the fantasy world, but it seems like there's this growing disconnect whether this guy is going to be. Uh, you know, a top three to five wide receiver, or if he should be faded. So is CD lamb undervalued in best ball, Aaron? A hundred percent. Absolutely positive that he is undervalued because let's just start with ADP last year. 
And there's this awesome tool for 444 to track underdog ADP. Last year's ADP was identical to what it is today. Like right now, his ADP is 11, last year 13.7. It's the same spot. You're getting them at the round one, round two turn. And I remember having teams where I took CD Lamb as like the 112 and then another player. So mm-hmm. his ADP hasn't really moved at all. And last season was, was weird. So it's important to always have the context of the season. Week one, Dak Prescott gets hurt. There's five games that Cooper Rush is QB. Most five games, CD Lamb scored 20 plus points in two of those games. Not bad for a guy that, I mean, Cooper Rush wasn't throwing the ball a whole lot. Dak returned in week seven. I was actually at that game. You could tell the Cowboys, they they were running a lot, not passing much. And Prescott didn't look that good. It was the, the rusty first game back from an injury. But then from that point of the season, they just clicked. Those final 12 games of the season, that includes the playoffs. He scored 15-plus fantasy points, and this is PPR, so 15-plus fantasy points in 10 of those games. The other two, one was the 40-3 to game against the Vikings where they pulled the starters. They didn't need to pass, and they didn't. Prescott only threw 25 passes. And then the other one was the Houston Texans game. And both those games, C.D. Lamb scored under 10 points. And I will say for the Texans – they had a sneaky good secondary last season. No one wanted to talk about them because the, they were mm-hmm. an overall bad team, but opposing receivers had a hard time they did. consistently mm-hmm. against that secondary. So 12 games, you have two duds, which there's one that you can go, they didn't, they stopped playing. And then 10 games where 15 points is good. And of those 10 games, you also like two of those games, you scored over 30 points. Three other games, he scored over 20 points. Is that not exactly what you want with your round one pick where you are getting just those those top scoring performances that you're not going to get from superstars? You're getting it on a regular basis. And I 100% would take Justin Jefferson over C.D. Lamb, of course. But Justin Jefferson had those games, right, where you'd start him, you get single-digit points, you go, mm-hmm. what the heck? Yeah, they all, they, that was unavoidable this, across the board, right. Exactly. And he did it more often than C.D. Lamb. So you can live with C.D. Lamb going, okay, maybe I don't get quite the ceiling, but you just consistently getting enough points to where C.D. Lamb never cost you games in week-to-week in fantasy football, especially best ball. Like you could win with C.D. Lamb even mm-hmm. on his quote-unquote off games. Like Justin Jefferson has his off games. You feel it a lot more. But C.D. Lamb, okay. no one's talking about him. I would say that we could push him up to – there could be a talk about having him as wide receiver three this year. I, I'm not quite there. I've got him right below Tyreek Hill. But I'm pushing him above Diggs. I'm pushing him above Cup. Wide receiver three is I can't I can't I can't shake it. That's how I feel. Chris, you have him at wide receiver three, and do you think the community is a little bit undervalued on him? Yeah, it's weird to say undervalued for a guy that's a first round pick, but he's a back end right. first round pick. He should be the one hundred three. He should mm-hmm. be the one hundred three, and it makes perfect sense. You look at any metric, and he's elite, just as good as Chase and Jefferson, especially his ability to beat both man and zone coverage and to mm-hmm. operate in all areas of the field. The reason people can't fully fully buy into Lamb is it's very fun and easy to hate the Cowboys. The is Dak is respect fun. is is out of control. Like, no one respects Dak Prescott at all. And I understand playoffs and lack of championships, but this is regular season fantasy football. Dak Prescott's a fine quarterback. And what sits in people's hearts is that they wanted him to break out as a sophomore, but he didn't necessarily separate from Cooper. Him and Cooper mm. were splitting 
And he didn't come across as a 1A. They came across as shared ones. And now people seem to think of him as slightly sub-alpha. That's entirely not true. He's just behind Chase and Jefferson. And now, while I do think the raw talents of a Tyree Kill, of a Cooper Cup, are probably better than Lamb, you also have to consider risk factor. Lamb is in the prime of his youth. He has no injury history. He has no significant target competition. He's he's in a team that is very much competing for a high seating and is going to be playing hard every single week. And he doesn't have to worry about touchdown efficiency issues because there's no touchdown vultures on this team. Dak does not run anymore in the red zone. He used to. Ooh, Stephon point. Diggs has to worry about Josh Allen. You know, mm-hmm. A.J. Brown has to worry about Devontae Smith and Jalen Hurts. Tyree Kill has Jalen Waddle. right? These, these guys have more competition, more age-related concerns. Cooper Cup obliterated his ankle, and he's 30. We don't know for sure that Cooper Cup is just okay. Now, if mm-hmm. fully healthy, yeah, he's the wide receiver one. That's not a question. We've seen him for two years. Dominant player. But we have no idea. I I was I remember where I was when I saw Michael Thomas obliterate his ankle, and we still drafted him top five the next year. Hasn't <laughs> has played one good game since that was years ago. And not you're not even picking him at injury. all. But yeah, it's it's and and it's concerning that Cup didn't come back after the timeline. Now some will say it's because they were tanking and there was no point in risking him, and maybe there's credence to that. But players typically play, so. There, everything there makes perfect sense. CD Lamb has a wide receiver eight floor with a wide receiver one ceiling. He just has to not get hurt. In CD Lamb's, he's gone through the, the the evolutions of his career: five, six, then nine touchdowns. We've seen him go from nine hundred to eleven hundred to thirteen hundred receiving yards and one hundred and fifty six targets last year. I mean, he is an alpha in every stretch of the word, uh, in every way you want to break it down do any of you guys have any worry you know kellen moore is out of town mike mccarthy is calling plays are are any of you guys worried about that not really i i think the kellen moore thing is 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 it's one of the most hyperinflated hyper overrated narratives i've seen in a long time coach based narratives are always inherently flawed and typically lead to bad fantasy football decisions and this this unrelenting love of kellen moore is also inherently flawed i like kellen moore and i appreciate that he's trying to be a pass forward efficient fantasy friendly type of offense and and yes like metrics and numbers show that passing is more efficient than running but it's a beautiful tandem passing is efficient because of running's existence they work hand in hand and to a degree kellen moore is not like some mastermind offensive coordinator because he wants to throw more and i know we clown on mike mccarthy for saying he just wants to run the damn ball but that's not necessarily what he was saying people were missing what he meant so i don't really care about play calling who's in charge most coaches are going to inherently have their offense function around their most talented players. I, I'd be hard-pressed to find a coach outside of Urban Meyer who wouldn't realize our game plan should focus around CeeDee Lamb and Tony Pollard. He, he, right. Those are just – you'd have to be a complete buffoon to not realize that. Yeah. But there are some buffoons in the NFL. There are some, but I'm not worried about two guys who at least have a lifetime of experience and have both participated in championship-winning teams. So it's very different than like the experimental Urban Meyer or the Nathaniel Hackett or so on and so forth. He's a vet. He's a vet. So same thing with you, Aaron. You're not fading at all based on those changes. Yeah. I mean, Lamb, it would be coaching malpractice, right? To go, here's CeeDee Lamb who got close (laughs) to 30%. Mike McCarthy might be that man. Could be, but I... Malpractice, hold my beer. (laughs) We we troll him, but I don't think Mike McCarthy is that bad at his job it's complete malpractice for him to be like close to 30 percent target share and then to go yeah you're like this cd lamb's really productive and really helping our offense 
and let's target him less. Nah, like it's Lamb. That was his ascension last year. He's now a star wide receiver. And Mike McCarthy knows a thing or two about having star receivers. So yeah, I'm not concerned. I love it. Uh, yeah, I'm all in on CD Lamb this year for sure. No, the changes don't affect me. It don't matter to me. Don't bother me at all. Chris, you mentioned it too. He's good inside and outside, so he's not a one-trick pony at all. So he can be that alpha for this team. Now let's get into a fun question here. I got the, the stat masters here. Check it out on the Player Profile YouTube channel, or if you want to get bonus stat masters, get on over to the Player Profiler Discord, playerprofile.com slash chat. Enter the Discord, and you can get, from what we're talking, potentially – Two and a half hours of stat masters. Maybe when Mr. Cubum's on, we could go for three and a half because we could chat it up all day, boys. But I got a fun question for you uh, here, Chris. Let's start it off. Give me a general. So nothing too, too late, but give me something spicy. Who are you fading at current ADP? So this is spicy if you follow me and you know my sentiment on the player. And it pains me to say this, but it's Alexander Madison right now. I have been touting this guy for months. I have been going to bat for him. When he was an eighth-round pick, a ninth-round pick, before they officially cut Cook, but we knew Cook was out of town, and I will still fight for him. I think he gets 260 carries, 60 receptions, scores 210 fantasy points. But the same thing I just said about Miles Sanders stands true for Alexander Madison. He's a fifth-round pick on underdog, and even if he hits his ceiling, which I think he will, of 200 to 220 fantasy points, in the fifth round from, from the running back, that's un- unexciting for me because I can make make up for that later in the draft where in the fifth round, you have four potential league-winning quarterbacks available in Herbert, Lawrence, Fields, and Burrow Falls there sometimes. You have Chris Godwin, a league-winning wide receiver. You have George Kittle, potentially league-winning tight end. I don't want an RB2, even though I think for sure Alexander Madison will finish somewhere in the mid-RB2 range. Now, like in a dynasty league, I've been trading for Madison all season. You get him for relatively cheap. If he's cheaper, like if in your home draft, he's sitting there in the eighth round, sign me up, right? Mm -hmm. But for a best ball league in the fifth round, even though I am the biggest Alexander Madison stan and fan there, I've been going to bat for him all offseason. He is a fade for me right now. Oh, spicy. I love it. I love it. But I'm with you there. I actually had him as a buy on trade gods a couple weeks ago for that reason, the cheap. But in startup drafts, he's a little bit too expensive for all the reasons you just mentioned. Aaron, same question to you, my friend. Spicy fade at ADP. So everything's about cost. And right now, there's three rounds that doesn't make a lot of sense. That's DK Metcalf. Shocker, right? The, The huge genetic freak, the closest clone to Julio Jones. I get it. However, when you start to look at the profile, past three seasons, we've seen the yards per reception drop drastically, right? 15.7, down to 12.9, down to 11.6. Then you look at the production. These past two seasons, he barely topped 1,000 yards this past season. The year before, he failed to get 1,000 yards. He didn't miss any time either. That's 17 games both seasons where you're barely getting 1,000 yards and the receiving touchdowns, We'll give him some credit there. There's one double-digit season, and there's one with six touchdowns, probably somewhere in the middle. He's probably more of a seven- to eight-touchdown guy than uh, a complete, like, just six seems to be on the low end. However, opportunity costs. Look at what you're – when you draft DK Metcalf, this is what you're sacrificing. Ramondre Stevenson, Josh Jacobs, Brees Hall at running back, they're all around him, and – You're going to want those running backs. Those are the guys that are going to help you in tournaments, especially my favorite of the bunch, Brees Hall. 
I'm not worried about this ACL, right? So it's an opportunity cost more than anything, but also just for him going as wide receiver 15, an ADP of 28, like he's almost, almost a round two pick. And in best ball, he's just not cutting it. He's not like Amari Cooper is a much better third round wide receiver pick than DK Metcalf. There's a whole list of wide receivers right, that are better right. pick. I have some Metcalf, but it's because of the original thing I talked about of just going, what if I'm wrong? But I think of the 60 teams, I took them like once. I just couldn't more than that. So my exposure rate's like sub 2% uh, on them. So just at that cost, you're not winning with DK Metcalf. You draft them in the third round in best ball. You're just donating your money to the other people that are playing the tournament. So are you guys familiar with Marvel? You watch the you know the the Infinity Saga, all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. So the oh, yeah. The, the, the reality stone, right? You have the when you get the reality stone, you have the ability to change everyone's reality. There's a bit of a reality stone in Seattle also. With he goes by the name of JSN. He could change the entire reality of what we expect when it comes to the Seattle Seahawks pass catching attack. So for all the reasons you just mentioned on DK and the reality stone, that is JSN there. Mm, it's a tough pill to swallow because we all love DK, but we're fading DK. That is spicy. I love it. Real quick, guys. I I wanted uh, when this was proposed for the show sheet. I was super excited for it because I've been thinking about it my, my as well. It's been in my head uh, as well, and I actually was just with doing the uh, the overtime uh, with Matt Kelly, and he is a believer in Sky more, and he gave a really really strong reasons why he could even outscore somebody that is very relevant in fantasy football. So you're gonna want to check out that edition of play the the game plan overtime. But give me your elevator pitch. Why or why not? This is a realistic possibility. I'll start with you, Aaron. What are the chances that Richie James will be relevant in best ball or fantasy football this year? More than people want to admit, right? Like, let's just start with the depth chart, just quickly going through their ADPs. Kadarius Tony, he's now in the top 75. This is single QB, best ball. Sky Moore is now in the top 100. And that is, that's a whole other discussion. Rashi Rice and MVS are going right around pick 150. And then it's Richie James, who is a late round. He is 18th round pick. I mean, that depth chart at wide receiver, and I know Travis Kelsey's there, but Kelsey, he gets a healthy target share, but Mm -hmm. it's not as massive as people would make it seem. Like there's enough room for someone else to contribute. Richie James was productive last season, specifically in the slot. Sky Moore, the thing that I can't just get over is that four-week stretch last season where during those those four weeks, he averaged negative fantasy points. Like all of us outscored Sky Moore during that four-game stretch. And I don't know how you go from that to being a top 100 pick in best ball. We've jumped the gun. Whereas Richie James, 18th round pick, it's a Chiefs player. We always talk about like week 17, you know, Chiefs, mm-hmm. Bengals. Relation. No matter, yeah, no matter what your build is, you can at least get a piece of that Chiefs Bengals game in the 18th round. And there was the quarterbacks Netflix show, right? I, I think I love most that show. people oh, have seen so it. Good. It was so great. Good. So good. Something that stood out to me was Patrick Mahomes. He was watching, studying defenses and talking about how like the uh, defenses are doing two high safeties. And, mm-hmm. and he even mentioned, I'm paraphrasing, but he's going, well, I'm just going to take like the under routes, the, the short route guys. Is that not Richie James, who was one of the leaders in slot snaps and slot targets? Like any slot metric you want to pull up, Richie mm-hmm. James was that. He knows what he is. And Mahomes doesn't throw the ball 
deep as much as people think. He throws a lot. So like the 62, I think, was the number of deep ball throw attempts is number 10. But if you take the deep ball attempts and divide it by just his overall pass attempts, you get like this, I guess, a deep ball throw rate. It was under 10%. That was number 30 amongst all quarterbacks. Like mm-hmm. Mahomes isn't always going vertical. Like ever since right. he lost Tyree Kill, like it's going for the under routes. We saw Juju Smith-Schuster. That was play- the players on that team do the same. Yeah, the players yeah. can reflect that in their skill sets too. It, exactly. And I mean, Sky Moore, and even you could say Kadarius Tony, who – Tony hasn't exactly been healthy. We don't yeah. know for sure if He's Sky Moore is good. Sure. Yeah. Right. Like, Richie James is the guy that, that can come in for both of those guys. I, I view, I know Tony's going to play more outside, but he's that gadgety. They're going to have him in the slot too. Like Richie James can come and take their jobs. Like Tony, it would probably be an injury, but Sky Moore, like I don't, I'm not sold on him being good. Okay. So in this impromptu game of fantasy football Shark Tank, Chris, the floor is yours. Give me your pitch. Why or why not Richie James will be relevant this year? I mean, Richie James is 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 the best pick um of the Chiefs. Well, let's just say the best value pick, maybe not the best one. We know that the Chiefs, this is all teams, right? Teams either consolidate around talented players, or if you don't have hyper-talented players, you spread the ball around. And people now have situational roles. The Chiefs have done this for years. The only players that have gotten very consolidated target shares are Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Even Juju wasn't that consolidated last year. Mm-hmm. And, and how many names now have to come through the Chiefs that give you spike 110-point fantasy years? McCole Hardman, Demarcus Robinson, Byron Pringle, Player X, Player Y, Player Z. You know, I, I, I was huge on Zay Jones last year as an 18th round pick because he he had a soft late career breakout with the Raiders, got paid money to go to the Jaguars. And mm-hmm. the the offensive receiving room, it wasn't loaded. It was just stuffed, right? Oh, LaVisca Chenault, Marvin Jones. Like, they didn't mean anything. They traded LaVisca. You look at the right. Chiefs. It's not loaded. It's not the 49ers. It's just stuffed, right? And when it's stuffed, the, the good players will parse their way through. You know, we did this, the, the whole Sky Moore thing, we did this with MVS last year. Did we not learn? MVS was not an eighth <laughs> round caliber talent. Right, that right. was nonsense. But now MVS in the 15th round, yeah, I mean, I'll still take the 100 points he's going to get. Same with Richie James. He's going to be relevant. And Sky Moore is not good. It's not a matter of I'm not sure if he's good. He is not good. He's a small school guy who looked great from a small school. I loved Sky Moore. I was drafting him in rookie drafts last year. He looked fantastic. I want Sky Moore to succeed, but he did nothing, zero for months. Then, and he's s- slotted to be a slot receiver, right? They they go out, they trade for Kadarius Tony, a guy whose best game came out of being explosive from the slot. Then they go and they sign a free agency, Richie James, a guy who rekindled his career three years in by performing well out of the slot. Then they go into the draft and draft Rashi Rice, a guy who can be described as potentially moving outside, but also as a big slot. Big slot. And yeah. then, and then, and then, you know, and then Travis Kelsey goes in the slot. And then they they bring in the backup, you know, tight ends and this and that. This team is as it always does, is going to be top five in total touchdown scored. You need to get involved in Kansas City. But you just want to get the cheaper guys, right? The CEHs, the Richie Jameses, the MBSs. And then you still take a shot on a Canarius Tony here and there because of that week 17 game. But Sky Moore, 0% at his cost. Even in the 18th round, it's a dead roster spot. The dude did nothing, nothing, and then scores one touchdown in the Super Bowl when everyone's watching, and suddenly he's a big deal. The only reason analysts like him and not Richie James is because Richie James is too boring. To say Richie James is good and be right is boring, right? 
but Sky Moore, oh my God, I used my fancy metrics to identify Sky Moore and he hit. I'm so smart. Good for me. Like, no, no, no. He's he's just bad. He's just bad. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> hey, listen, you are the stat masters. You're bringing the stats up. I did come across a stat that I uh, I was digging around the player analysis tool that is pro Richie James. Last year, four receivers qualified or, or fit in this criteria. One, they had a 45 or better percent route win rate and a 6.5 or higher fantasy points per game from the slot. Those players were Richie James, and you would assume they were kind of bums surrounding the, the Richie James because everyone thinks he's a bum, but those other three names was Chris Godwin, Amon Ross St. Brown, and someone we just talked about, C.D. Lamb. So he was very productive to the, end, the end, uh, to the end of last season for the New York Giants. So there is a chance that he is not only a value in re- uh, round 18, but someone that you might want to roster in your seasonal leagues at some point as well. Let's get out of here with a couple bold takes. I know we all got some stuff to do on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. So Chris, what is your bold take based on underdog ADPs for the 23 season? So I'm going to do two quick ones. I think fifth round, we're going to find those four quarterbacks I mentioned before really do make the difference for you. And that's where you wanted quarterback this year. And um, I just feel like we're going to look back and look at almost every player after the 14th round as, as a bad pick until you get to round 17 and round 18. I think there's far more players in round 17 and round 18 that are going to be more meaningful to your roster than the guys currently going Rounds 14, 15, 16. I would much rather Richie James right over and Alec Pierce. I would much rather a lot of these backup running backs. Like we're drafting Jalen Warren and Jerome Ford very highly in the 12th and 13th round sometimes. And they're pure handcuffs. They have no standalone value. And they're behind guys that are some of the worst bets to assume they're going to miss time. You can get a guy like Keontae Ingram, who's behind James Conner that always misses time, or mm-hmm. take long shot bets on a Chase Edmonds or a Kyron Williams who could at least have standalone, you know, satellite back value. And there's a ton of these receivers that the same is true for. There's still good quarterbacks, Desmond Ritter, and then there's still great tight ends where it's like, why am I going to take Jawan Johnson in the 16th round when Trey McBride is in the last round? You know, it just it doesn't really make sense to me. I'm pretty much just bypassing all these guys. They there's a lot of bad picks right now in 14, 15, and 16. And I think we're gonna look back as all those picks being useless. Sorry, I had to go ahead and draft some Chase Edmonds. I told you you were gonna break me and you did. By the end of the show, I had to make sure I got some Chase Edmonds. What's your what is you said you had two, right? So what's your other quick bowl? Well, the other one was the quarterbacks. Like I think fifth round quarterback, the same way that you know. Your, your early quarterbacks hit last year, your Patrick Mahomes, but because you got Jalen Hurts in the sixth round and he matched their scoring, those teams fared much better. So even if Patrick Mahomes is the QB one again, if Justin Herbert is behind him by 15 total fantasy points, you're going to much rather have had Herbert in round five. So I think fifth round right now is a real nice sweet spot for QB. And we're going to really enjoy teams that had one of those quarterbacks, especially when Fields and Burrow fall into that round. Got it. Aaron? The floor is yours. Give us your bold take for the 2023 season. We talked about him earlier, but Deshaun Watson, look, forget the six-game sample from last season. That's not who he is talent-wise. He's coming in rusty with no practice with the team. There was that snow game against the Saints, but he did finish with a couple of top 10 performances to wrap up the season, which he didn't even play great. Now, with full offseason of practice, Deshaun Watson going in the eighth round. You know his ADP 
mirrors Tom Brady's ADP last season, who was on Pat Corain's Best Ball Mania 3 winning team. Deshaun Watson is going to be the, the league-winning quarterback in Best Ball Mania. I'm also predicting top three finish from Deshaun Watson. Ooh, I like that one is absolutely spicy. I got a little spicy one too. I'll throw out there real quick. QB 13 off the board. Kirk Cousins throws for 50 touchdowns in 2023. And that is going to be a wrap on this episode of the game plan. I had not one, but two masters of stats and it was a great episode. Aaron, tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter, where they can find your work. Aaron Stu09. You can follow me on Twitter. Uh, you're going to get thrown off because currently the Twitter picture is me with a beard. Promise it's me. <laughs> I'm going to post more on Twitter. You can also find, find my work. Well, right now, a lot of it's YouTube, but I will write the occasional article for Player Profiler, and that's where you can find me. Chris? Um, you can find me Saturday nights in the bar bathroom drafting Leonard Fournette. Um, I'll probably be a couple pints in, but hey, man, it's, uh, it's my favorite hobby. I'm not going to lie. That and paying taxes just get me through the work week. Um, I'm on Twitter at value draft picks. Very straightforward. The only thing that I ever think about, it's the early down grinder. Uh, and we're, uh, you know, we're just having daily rants. I tweet about a rant a day. So if you like rants, that's where I'm at. And absolutely, I will say it one last time because it's worth repeating. Check out the Stat Masters on Player Profiler Discord and on our YouTube. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Maddie Kiwum. Like this video, leave comments about the show on underneath section. Follow the Player Profiler YouTube channel while you're at it. And like I said, join that Discord to hear from Chris, Aaron, myself, and other members of the underworld. So keep game planning, my friends, and I will talk to you next week. Peace.